If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. Well, welcome back to the podcast, Corey. Thanks. Good to be here. It's always great to have you because you're so knowledgeable and informative and you, you know so much stuff. And it's Why are always you great. flattering me, Greg? Oh, no, well, because <laughs> yeah, I want you to buy lunch. No, no, actually, no, you're really good at it. I'm looking forward to our conversations today because we're going to have a couple of really interesting and I think in some ways kind of unusual conversations. These are the kind of conversations I like having. Yeah, I know. These are really fun. <laughs> These are going to be super fun conversations and you're a great reference for things because you research things really well and you're a library of information. So. Let's get into the first of these two sort of unusual conversations. Okay. We're going in a weird place today. Today, we're going to talk about UFOs. Yes. Unidentified flying objects. Or some people may have heard a, a newer term, UAPs, which is unidentified aerial phenomenon. I think the people in the government just got a little testy about the bad reputation of UFOs. And they're like, no, it's totally different. It's UAPs. They're different. It's honestly. It is. And the reason we're talking about this is that there's been this renewed, well, there's always been interest in them and it kind of comes and goes, ebbs and flows. And we'll talk about that a little bit in this conversation because I think it's interesting that interest in this thing has these kinds of ebbs and flows. Sure. I remember when I was younger and it was like super hot. You had movies like E.T. and you mm. had, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And then for a while, nobody talked about it. And then all of a sudden it came back with like Independence Day, which was a great movie, by the way. And then it kind of went away and, and it sort of comes and comes and goes. But the reason we're talking about this is in the last, I don't know, 12 to 24 months, it's all back in the news again. Right. And you actually have some Congress people and others that are, have been holding these congressional hearings. Mm -hmm. And you have these supposed whistleblowers coming forward saying the U.S. government has all of this information and even making claims in these congressional hearings that the U.S. government has alien spacecraft in warehouses and alien creatures or bodies in warehouses. I know I saw this in the movie Independence Day. <laughs> and so they're saying that this is all true, but then other, they're like, well, where are they, right? And they're like, well, it's a giant government conspiracy or something, right? So the reason I wanted to talk about this is that if you're even looking at the internet, the news or whatever, you, this is all creeping up again. And it's introducing maybe some confusion for Christians or Catholics as to what they're supposed to think about this. Sure, sure. Now, my personal take, because I'm, because I'm am who I am, is I think that that's partly intentional. There's a term, PSYOP, P-S-Y-O-P, psychological operation. And I feel like this is kind of a PSYOP from kind of, I think, anti-Christian forces to like flood the news with this right now and flood the news zone to distract us from other things. But I tend yeah. towards the conspiracy yeah. theorist. And, and, and I don't know how much credence I'd give to that 
particular psyop theory. I think there's there's other options as well, but okay. yeah, that that is one of them. Well, we'll get into it. So, but I want to talk about it because I do think there's a lot of people going, well, what am I supposed to think? Mm-hmm. Because they're probably hearing about this stuff and that the US government that you know, here when you have senators holding hearings or whatever and talking about we're going to open the government warehouse and bring ET out. Let's talk about it today, all yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's do it. Now, I want to organize our conversation so it doesn't get crazy and ridiculous into that, sort of that's three- That's a good idea. Yeah, into sort of three categories. I, I want to first kind of Roman numeral one, talk about whether or not within Catholic theology or a Catholic worldview or Catholic doctrine, there is the possibility for life on other planets. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Right. Then I want to turn from that to the cultural phenomenon itself. I personally think what's more interesting about this is the interest. I think that the cultural phenomenon is more interesting than the actual phenomenon. You know, the the unidentified aerial phenomenon, in my Mm -hmm. opinion, are less interesting than the fascination of the phenomenon. And then the third thing I want to talk about is what possibly are these things within the context of a Christian worldview and particularly maybe a Catholic worldview. Yeah. So that's where I want to go. Okay. So let's do this. Roman numeral one. Does the Catholic church have a dogma or doctrine or teaching about life on other planets? The short answer would be no, not as such. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that we can't say anything about it from a Catholic perspective, and plenty of people have in very faithful ways. This actually goes back to some of the things we talked about recently, talking about evolution. I mean, we can, we can make some basic premises that if there is life, intelligent or otherwise, on other planets, it was created by God, it is known by God, it is within the providence of God. If it's intelligent, then it's presumably made in the image of God. And so that is a baseline for if these kinds of life forms existed. Otherwise, it's based on evidence. We don't have, like the the scriptures don't tell us one way or the other whether God did that. It doesn't really affect directly the, the message that is being given to us by the scriptures. And so it's in the realm of scientific observation, whether we can find such a life form or not. And as far as I know, no one has presented definitive evidence yet. If, but if they did, it would not sort of knock over the Christian understanding of the universe as we have from scripture and tradition. Right. Well said. So you're, like you say, there's no dogmatic teaching on it. There's no doctrine on it. You've got a copy of the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the table between us. <laughs> that's for the next episode. Right, that's but... <laughs> the next episode. But, but that's for the next episode because there's nothing in there about right. aliens. Exactly. And so the question often gets asked as a hypothetical, and you can't sort of answer hypotheticals in, in that way. So in other words, as you said, and I'm just going to try to summarize it, mm-hmm. what we do know is that all things are created not only by God, but that Colossians tells us that all things were created through Christ and mm-hmm. in Christ and for Christ. Right. And that word in Greek, all things, is all things, all things in the sure, universe. The cosmos. Yeah. The cosmos. So if there is another planet, it was created by Christ. And if there are 
life forms on it, if there are creatures on it, then they were created by Christ for the glory of God. Exactly. Right? Yes. We know that as a that is a actually a dogmatic statement becomes because it comes directly from Scripture, multiple right. places, including right. Colossians one. Yeah, right? and, and that's res- irrespective right. of where the life or the planet is. I mean, that's true of Earth. That'd be true of anywhere. Right. So, so like we're sort of kind of coming up with a taxonomy of belief here. Mm-hmm. We say dogmatically know that God created the heavens and the earth. Mm-hmm. That Christ, the efficient agent of that, was the second person of the Trinity, Christ, who created all things in Him for Him and all things add up to his glory. And in the end, he will remake all things, mm-hmm. right? Right. To the glory of God. So then you ask a sort of second order question. Well, hypothetically, what could be included in all things, right? Mm-hmm. And you say, well, is it possible that in all things, among those all things might be a creature living on another planet? Well, I can't, you know, the church, logically, you can't rule that out. As you say, we have no evidence to think there is. No one has demonstrated or proved that there's some life on another planet. But if you ask, and people have asked, they've asked the popes, they asked Pius XII, because a lot of this stuff, we'll talk about that in a minute, arose during his pontificate, the first sort of UFO claims. Sure, sure, in the 40s and, they asked, and the 50s. Yeah, and then they asked John Paul II, and both the popes and others have answered it exactly out of the way. Well, I can't, ex- you're asking me a hypothetical, and I can't say that, I can't say that there aren't fairies that dance on the lawn. It'd be like it'd be like saying before the flood were there unicorns. Well, I can't say that there weren't any unicorns. But I also can't observe that time period to find out. Right. Yeah. Are you asking me, are there unicorns? I don't know. There I guess there could have been. Is it possible that somewhere in this world there is a closet, and when you go through the coats at the closet, you end up in another place where there are talking beavers. I'd like to think so, but... I know. Well, <laughs> right. And for those of you who are like, what are you talking about? It's like the Chronicles of Narnia, right? Mm-hmm. You go, well, I, I, I can't prove that there isn't a closet somewhere that mm-hmm. leads to the land of talking beavers. But so, yeah, I guess that's broadly possible and if there were talking beavers through a door they would be created by christ in christ for christ right and, and at some point we have to also talk about plausibility um, right i mean d- different things can be possible but they're not all equally probable and that's what a lot of the conversation around life on other planets operates on is how likely is it that there would be other planets that are like earth that could sustain life that it could develop there and and that's all those are all scientific questions that are at the stage of of debate and speculation because we don't have the solid evidence okay and and this sort of leads me well before i'm okay my sidebar on this and we'll get to this in a minute mm-hmm. or maybe we'll or won't but I mean, we could do a whole episode on this. Sure. But if there were creatures on another planet, there's a whole nother category of question. They would have been created by Christ, in Christ, for Christ. Right. But they may be fallen or unfallen. Yeah, that is another big question. That's a whole other question. And that's even more speculative. Yeah, Yeah, and people have speculated on it. Mm So, you know, you have, going back to C.S. Lewis, you have his wonderful trilogy, which we need to do for book Yeah, we'll have sometime. to do the space trilogy The space sometime. trilogy, where he speculates that there are these other planets, and on them, there are some creatures, some planets that have, in a sense, fallen like Earth into sin, and maybe there's some that haven't fallen into sin. Mm. And actually, he goes back with that to the old doctrines, because Dante, 
And Thomas Aquinas and others spe speculated about whether or not there's the possibility of other worlds and other creatures oh, sure. that would be unfallen or as, whatever. As, as modern or postmodern people, we like to think that all our ideas are original, but people right. have been speculating about this kind of thing forever, even if they weren't necessarily thinking in terms of other planets. Sometimes they were, sometimes they weren't. But, you know, just the whole globe hadn't been explored in a right. lot of times. And there was speculation about what other kinds of creatures could could oh, exist on the other yeah, kind of side you, of the world. You go back to the Middle Ages and there's yeah. all these weird things about, you know, there's islands with headless people, mm -hmm. pegasuses and, you know, whatever, yes. right? Mythological creatures and all that. And that's why I don't want to spend too much on it because it's all speculative. People come to you and go, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And like I said, well, yeah. Yeah. What about what about Pegasuses and what about you know I'm mean, flying horses and mm -hmm. and talking beavers and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, we can talk all day long about possibilities, but in, there's no particular reason. But I want to take up going to our second sort of Roman numeral, yeah, yeah, because you you made an important point about other planets and the probability. Because when you go back and follow the history of UFOlogy. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that it starts around the 1940s. In its present okay. form, yeah. yeah. In its present form. Now, prior to that, and that's why I think it's interesting to talk about this other term, unexplained aerial phenomenon. Mm. There have always been unexplained aerial phenomenon, right? That's why the ancient Greeks would say, well, it's, it's, it's Apollo pulling his chariot across the sky, or di different mm. religions would have different explanations largely supernatural explanations. Yeah, or they'd be taken as omens or, or whatnot, yeah. Or they would just speculate about mythological creatures, sure, flying sure. horses or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's always been things in the sky that people couldn't explain. But what's interesting around the late 30s, going into the 40s, is that the explanation shift from being supernatural in, in nature, sort of supernatural mythology, to having this concept that they're from other planets and their alien life that have traveled here in spaceships. And what's interesting is it coincides with our own technological capacities that as soon as we started developing airplanes and rockets, you know, the Germans mm -hmm. launching V2s on London during the Blitz and mm -hmm. Werner von Braun and all this kind of stuff, right? As soon as we started doing Sputnik, all of a sudden there was a shift in the cultural explanations to these things from being supernatural mythology mm -hmm. to now being, as we, this speculating that, well, just as we are developing rockets, maybe other people or creatures develop rockets and have flown here. Right, right. And the question is, is were there, were there actually more unexplained aerial phenomenon beginning in the 40s than there were in the 1840s or 1740s or 640s? Were there, was there actually an increase of this stuff or more evidence or did our, from a cultural standpoint, did we just construct a new sort of mental frame or mythology for how to explain them? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a excellent point to what you just said. And, and it's not to say that I'm that we have to take a position even on whether there are aliens and whether any of these unexplained era phenomenon truly are aliens. We could say some of, maybe some of them are, maybe some of them aren't, but the, the interpretative lens that people have brought to it has definitely gone over a tipping point 
at the middle of the, the 20th century. It's not that nobody speculated about it beforehand. There certainly were people who did, but that has become sort of the dominant way of seeing these things. And as, as you said, it's situated within a largely, or at least sort of by default, materialist understanding of the universe. It's that matter stuff is all there is. There might be untold space out there and untold planets and stars and everything, but there's nothing transcendent, God or angels or non, non-physical spirits. And so aliens are something situated within that. They are they're biological creatures like us that are, can be used as, as something to explain these phenomenon. And, and so I think you're right about that, that shift happening in the 20th century. As an interesting side note to that, I think in some ways it's a modern twist on an ancient pagan understanding of the universe. Because if you actually go back and look at Greek mythology or, or Norse mythology or any of the, the old pagan mythologies, their understanding of the gods and demigods and what we would maybe call supernatural creatures was actually quite naturalistic in it. it. It wasn't explained. They didn't have the experimental method to be like, okay, here's how we deduce whether Zeus or Pegasus exists and how they operate or something. But the gods arose out of the primordial chaos of the universe, out of matter pre-existent to them. The gods didn't create ex nihilo out of nothing the universe like the god of the Jews and of the Christians did. So, yeah, it might be the gods and demigods and such like might be far beyond us and mysterious and hidden and all of those kinds of things, but they're still within a material framework within the universe that's made of stuff and not spirit and things beyond. And so, you, in some ways, you're returning to that kind of mindset where if the gods and such like become an operative explanation for mysterious phenomenon. And then you, now in the modern period, you have aliens as being that default explanation. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying is that the old way of looking at it, or the ancient pagan way of looking at it, is that they li- exist within the cosmos. Mm-hmm. They don't didn't create the cosmos. Right, and they're not over it. Yeah, they And really- the Jewish Christian concept was really radical in the sense that the Jewish God, and then, of course, the Christian God, is the creator of the cosmos. The Greek and Roman gods weren't creators of it, they were part of it. But I think there's another thing going on, and that is, for lack of a better word, your conceptual framing or your conceptual template. And so, if you go back prior to the 20th century, mid-20th century, you had a sort of religious framing to these things, or at least a sort of, for lack of a better word, supernatural religious framing. So, let me give you an example. The difference between astrology and astronomy. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, you would say 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago or whatever that that the planets through astrology exert, you know, these kinds of forces, influences, right? And so everything lives within this sort of religious frame. And you could have angels and demons and ghosts and mythological creatures, but particularly let's stick with the angels and demons part of it, which are creatures, Mm. to your point, not material creatures, but they're creatures that live within the created universe. But you had a religious sort of frame to it. Now, what happens in the mid-20th century is, I think, two things. Number one, 
we develop technological capacities. So now we start developing telescopes and the capacity to study other planets better than we ever had before. We start developing rocket technology and eventually, you know, the Russians put Sputnik in the side. We put a man, man on, on the, the moon, moon, right? And all this kind of stuff. So the, and this, but simultaneously with that is the death of religion in the West, right? So you have, for a thousand reasons, you had critical biblical theory, you had all of this. And what the... 19th century German critical religious scholars were doing is demythologizing the Bible, demythologizing mm-hmm. the universe. So it's, it's what you're saying about it stuff being kind of within the universe, but more than that, it's coming up with what they would have called a scientific explanation. Right, right. So what happens is you go, okay, there's lights in the sky. Before that, you would have framed what those lights under the sky were through sort of a religious lens. Mm. Now you say, well, that's just silly. I mean, we all know that that's not true. We now know much more scientifically that they must be creatures that have flown here for 200 light years away in little spacecraft. And there's no more evidence that nobody's been able to produce that they're creatures that have flown here in a spaceship. Mm-hmm. any more than there may have been evidence to prove that they were angels or demons. But now we have a different frame for how we look at the universe and we feel much more confident framing things, not only in, like you say, within the created universe, but within any of this scientific explanation. So I guess what I'm trying to say is our mythology has shifted from being a religious mythology to a scientific mythology. Yeah, I, I think that's essentially right. And, and I think where we as, as Catholics have to, have to step in and synthesize here is what we talked about in our, in our episode about science and religion or science and faith, is that this, what the takeaway here shouldn't be that that old religious or mystical mythology was good and the new scientific mythology is bad. What we should take away from this is that science is good. It is, it is a logical and legitimate way of looking at the universe. When you, ba- when you turn it into a mythology or a totalizing way of explaining the universe, and so something couldn't possibly be supernatural, therefore it must be aliens or it must, must be some, something like that. Science has gone wrong and has gone beyond its mandate. And you could also make legitimate criticisms about older religious mythologies, even within a Christian context, that they didn't pay adequate attention to actual scientific observation and those sorts of things. And, and in some ways, it's good that we, have, that we have moved beyond those, but that doesn't mean that what sort of the popular atheist rhetoric would say is that because we've explained so many things through science that we've debunked faith. It's, it's, well, yeah, it's what, is what we talked about before, that faith and science are working together. We, we should avoid these extremes of mythology and of ideology in both directions. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, I'm fascinated in some sense by not, maybe not only the cultural, but the psychological component of this. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's something in 20th century to something happens in us around the middle of the 20th century. And remember the other things that are going on. Again, the Nazis are inventing V2 buzz bombs and nuking London, and you got Werner von Braun, and then you have Sputnik, and you have the atomic bomb, and you know, all this stuff. And there is this shift to science as a psychological comfort. Mm-hmm. So what happens is if you can explain something, if you can concoct a rationalization that is framed in a scientific, so a guy in a lab coat is explaining it with a chalkboard rather than a priest at the front of the room. Mm-hmm. 
that that is psychologically more comforting to man in the latter part of the 20th century, beginning of the 21st century. Yeah, there's definitely a a large degree to which the trust of the public has moved towards people perceived as scientists rather than religious leaders. Yeah, I would say trust, but it's even deeper than that. It's, It's comfort. Well, what so, you trust, you feel comfortable. Yeah, so, so so you're not threatened by not just the person who's saying it, but the idea. Mm-hmm. So let me put it this way. If the lights in the sky are angels or demons or whatever, then it hints at the awful possibility that there may be spiritual accountability and what those angels and demons are and how they may be connected to God and, right, that has all these implications. But if I say, no, the the light moving across the trailer park sky or whatever is a rocket ship, I mean, a flying saucer full of, and I'm being facetious, but flying saucer full of little green aliens or gray aliens or whatever they are, little ETs that came from whatever planet 200 light years away, there's something that is psychologically or spiritually or morally not threatening about that to me because because they're to, to the modern mind because there's no spiritual or no moral accountability right it isn't an angel or a demon calling me to accountability before god it's just a it's it's just an alien in a spaceship right it, and and it shows a per- peculiar blindness of the modern materialistic mind because what i was going to say is yeah, and then the alien's no more threatening than, you know, a, a dog or a cat or a yeah. tree or, or any other part of creation. Right. But in the ancient religious mindset, especially that you see in the Psalms, all of those things drew our minds towards God and towards the the accounting right. that we would have before him. So in order for that that comfort that you're talking about to operate by, if we're explaining things as aliens, you already have to have drained your understanding of the of the universe of anything. Outside the material. Let let me bring it down to some practical things, right? So, So if the lights in the sky are angels or demons, then that has sort of implications about God and whether there is a God. And if there is a God, then what my moral accountability is and judgment and my eternal fate. And then all of this stuff happens coincidental to the breakdown of sexual morality and everything on the mid 20th century. So now all of a sudden, if there's angels and demons and they're coming and this and that, maybe my moral behavior matters. Maybe aborting children, I'm going to be held accountable to aborting babies or my moral behavior. But if they're little gray aliens flying around in a spaceship, they have nothing to say. They, they imply nothing about my moral behaviors. And in that sense, that's why I think they become sort of a more comforting mythology because even though, again, there's no more evidence that light in the sky or whatever it is, is an alien in a spaceship than there is that it's an angel or a demon. But one is much more comforting morally and psychologically, I, I think, to the modern mind. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that's usually true. Well, okay, we keep talking about angels and demons, so let's come to the the last little part of this. Mm. And, you know, time is shorter, but this is going to set up our next conversation here in the next episode. So let's talk about what some of these things could be. Now, I want to be completely intellectually honest. 
maybe next week the federal government is going to throw open the doors to the vault at Area 51 and bring forth the little craft and ET. Maybe. But until I kind of see the flying saucer land in St. Peter's Square and the ramp come down and E.T. come waddling down and want to talk to the Pope, I'm going to just say I haven't seen anything that makes me think that that's true. Other than that, again, that's a mythology or an explanation that sort of fits like, hey, there's a big universe and there's things and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Maybe people flew here. So, so I don't know, maybe. We can maybe. see it as a, as a possibility, but is by no means proved. I've, I've no, not only is it not proved, I have, <laughs> it's one thing to say it's not proved. There's a lot of things that aren't proved, mm-hmm. but there's reason to believe they're true. I have never seen, and I've been looking at this stuff since I was in high school, I have yet to see anybody bring anything forward that is, that would make me think that that's the case. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these little clips of fuzzy things and I mean, we can get into all the explanations, but I, I just haven't seen anything definitive. So yeah, not only is it not proved in my mind, it's not, it, there's no reason to believe it, but that brings us back to what it, are they, mm-hmm. right? Because there clearly are lights in the sky and weird phenomenon and things like that. And there always have been. And I, given my frame, I'm, I'm more inclined to think that they are of a, supernatural origin. Yeah. And I, I think there's a variety of, of possible explanations. I think it really has to be taken on a case by case basis. I don't know how much we can say in general about. Oh, oh yeah. Phenomena. Let me just, let me, yeah. I'm yeah. about there because, because obviously each case has to be like, this one might have been a weather balloon or this one might've right. been a radar reflection. Cause I, I know like I, I, I have friends that are in, into air that were their aerospace engineers and mm-hmm. all that. And they said, you know, one of the things that's interesting is they started getting a lot more of these radar readings a few years ago when all of our military fighter jets got an upgrade to the radar. So the sensitivity of the radars went up. Mm. And so now you're picking up things that the radars wouldn't have picked up, you know, flocks of seagulls or, you know, whatever. Sure, sure. So anyway, who knows, right? You got to go case by case and go, this one was a flock of seagulls. This one was a weather balloon. This one we can't explain, right? Right. But let's suppose you eliminate all the ones that theoretically you can explain and you're left with some that are unexplained. Sure, right? sure. And the ones that are super weird and have no earthly explanation, then you get to this point where you go, well, then what are they? And it's interesting to me when you listen, because I listened to part of these congressional hearings, Mm -hmm. and the people who were testifying at the congressional hearings a couple of months ago, the supposed experts in UFOs, started to back off the whole, well, they're they're aliens from another planet that have flown here through 100 light years. And now their thing is, is that their new phrase is that they're non-human intelligences that either may have been on this planet before mankind and have always existed on this planet, but in hiding, and they occasionally reveal themselves, or they are creatures from another dimension that have not actually physically traveled here through a hundred light years of space, but they exist in alternative and higher dimensions and occasionally sort of pop through into our dimensionality and reveal themselves and go back. Mm-hmm. And that these intelligences that are coming us to us through other dimensional wormholes or coming out of the caverns in the earth or whatever, they, they, and something's getting pretty weird, 
as I was listening to the congressional hearings, because I watched part of my went, this sounds increasingly weirdly more and more like either Nephilim or angels or demons. And I'm getting personally creeped out by hearing about non-human intelligences that have been on this planet from the beginning and predate man and exist parallel to man that are now revealing themselves or non-human intelligences from a higher plane of dimension that are occasionally revealing themselves to us. And these con- people were sitting in front of Congress saying, we need to contact them or, the, or some people in the government are in contact with these non-human intelligences and these non-human intelligences are giving our government guidance and wisdom to show us how to move forward to a better world. Now that starts super creeping me out mm-hmm. way more than the idea of the aliens flying here because that's starting to sound weirdly like angels or demons or Nephilim. Yeah, it, it totally sounds like a a sort of scientific um, explanation or or way of articulating something that that is fundamentally supernatural. That it would be a spirit, um, a, a demon, or an angel, or, or what have you. Um, of course, there's a question of you know how accurate is what are what these whistleblowers are saying. Have they been lied to? Is it as you were talking about earlier? a psyop for one reason or another that there's nothing in particular happening, but it's to someone in the government's benefit that this confusion be out in the general public. I think that there's, there's a spectrum that you can be on in terms of, of how you want to uh, explain these cases that are not that, that we don't have any uh, scientific or material explanation for them. It's not a weather balloon or, or a flock of ducks or something. You can be at one end where you think that it's always or usually demons, that these are are evil spiritual manifestations. You can be all the way at the other side that says that either it's nothing really, it's a lie, or that it could be other types of, of spiritual manifestations. And and I think that it it, again, like we said before, it has to be assessed on the evidence. I think there, there's cases like what you're talking about that on the face of it sound much more demonic than a lot of other things where it's just like, there's, there's no particular reason to think this, is, this particular case is demonic. But then aside from particular cases, there's, I think, just how the enemy uses what do I want to say, like in intellectual or psychological trends and, and sort of memes out in the culture, cult, cultural phenomenon, how he uses them, whether, you know, it, the material cause of a particular thing was it was a flock of yeah. ducks. How does Satan then yeah. make hay out of that yeah. in distracting people from God? And those are two different things. And it can both be, it can be possible that, that no demon caused this thing but the demons are going to use it because they'll right. use any tool that comes to hand. Right. And, and also the same can be said of, of God and his yeah. angels. They're going to try to use things that are happening in right. the culture in order to draw, either draw people away from God or toward God. Okay, as we wrap up this episode and segue to the next, I, I just want to squeeze two last thoughts in Yeah, this, go, right? go for it. Because um, we could talk forever on yeah, this. Yeah, but. I know. But, you know, the first is that uh, I, I can't help thinking about a lot of scriptural things about angels and demons, mm-hmm. right? Particularly demons. Uh, that Satan is a liar and everything he does is, is a deception. And then there's that wonderful line in the small formula, right? Mm-hmm. About um, 
Satan and all his empty show. Right, right. And part of it is, is that a lot of this becomes, in my mind, an empty show. Um, it's a lot of razzle-dazzle, distraction, look here, but no, nothing ever comes of it. And because of that, and because I know that Satan is a liar and it, it feels like a, a, a distraction away, I'm suspicious. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the second thing is that I think it's transcended a materialism. And when I listen to some of these UFO experts testifying where Congress about non-human intelligences that live in, have always lived on earth or coming through dimensional portholes or this mm -hmm. kind of stuff, it sounds to me almost like a new paganism. Like they're just reframing right. supernatural beings into a sort of a, a, a new paganism. When I say a psyop, well, is it by the government or is it just sort of a new, in the beginning of the 21st century, there's kind of a, either a, a new paganism or a new, new Gnostic heresies that are sort of arising. And this is how they present. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and in that sense, it's a psyop because it is distracting Christians and turning their eyes away to something else. Right. And there, the, the difference, I suppose, is who's operating the PSYOP. Is it, yeah. is it the government directly or- Well, or is it or, the government's advantage to give time to it right now, as opposed to uh, a lot of other things that are going on in our society that maybe faithful Christians or Catholics would be very concerned about. And it's kind of like, hey, pay no attention to all the crazy stuff that's going over here because look, aliens. Yeah. And I think there are other- explanations of why it could be a psyop um, the the big one is that part of when the original alien phenomenon started was the beginning and the height of the cold war and it was a partly a psyop against the soviets to right. be like hey look we've got alien technology or at least we're making right. you suspect it so don't mess with us right. right now it's the chinese and and the russians so there are other explanations besides ones targeted specifically at christians but i think what you've said it, it gives us the takeaway is that don't be distracted by it. Yeah. That, that the fundamental purpose of your life is to know, love, and serve God. And if this helps in any way, then that's great and that's fine. If it becomes a distraction or if it is leading you away, whether from just influencing your worldview or taking up your time or at the extreme leading you into that kind of renewed paganism that you're right. referring to, then, then it's not good, regardless yeah. of whether there actually are aliens or not. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to stop here and we're going to segue into the next episode because we've been talking about angels and demons and that's the topic of our next episode. So come back in the next episode and learn about the Catholic teaching about angels and demons. Yes. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.